Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. When it comes to sharing our authentic food culture, I simply cannot think of another family as influential over time as the Brennans of New Orleans. Almost 80 years ago, in 1943, Owen Brennan got the party started at the old Absinthe House. Since that time, the family has grown and prospered, giving us all a wonderful time along the way. On this week's episode, we're sitting down for the first time with the fourth generation of one of America's premier food families. This crew of cousins behaves much more like siblings. They're all very close in age, share much of the same interests, and God bless them, they're rapidly producing a fifth generation. If you can't tell, I love these people, and I am so honored with the way they always treat me like one of their own. But that's the Brennan way. On this episode, you'll also meet father-son-chef duo Gus and Gustar Martin. Gus and Dickie Brennan worked at Commander's Palace when they were both in high school. Gus's mom, Gustar's grandmother, was the first woman floor captain there. The Brennans treat their employees like family, too, which explains a bit about Gus and Gustar's careers with them. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the future of the Brennans family, the culinary cousins of the fourth generation who are all together here on this week's Louisiana Eats. In a city known for its culinary excellence, no family looms as large in the story of New Orleans dining as the Brennans. The family restaurant dynasty got its start just over 75 years ago when Owen Edward Brennan, son of Nellie and Owen Patrick Brennan, opened his first restaurant, the Vieux Carré in the French Quarter. Owen's father greeted guests, while his 21-year-old sister, Ella, managed the business. When they were getting ready to relocate to Royal Street in 1955, the younger Owen died suddenly of a heart attack. Rising to meet the moment, Ella, along with her brothers, John and Dick, and her sisters, Dottie and Adelaide, made Brennan's Restaurant into a culinary landmark. After a rift led Owen's widow, Maud, and her three sons to oust Ella from the restaurant in 1974, Ella and her siblings focused their energies on Commander's Palace in the Garden District. With Ella at the helm, they made Commander's into one of the most celebrated restaurants in the country and the flagship of the family's expanding restaurant empire. 
the following generation of the Brennan clan, including Ella's daughter, T, Ella's nieces, Lolly and Lauren, and nephews, Ralph and Dickie Jr., grew up to run Commander's, Brennan's, and a constellation of restaurants in New Orleans and beyond. They're now watching closely as the newest generation works to continue the family legacy. So we're technically the fourth generation. If you want to go back from uh, our Ella and Owen and like our grandparents' parents, then they, so they're yeah. the second. Mm-hmm. Lauren and all of them are the third, and then we're the fourth. Glad we just straightened that out for me. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I always thought we were the third until T kind of. Nope, we're not. Yeah, of course. That yeah. Because yeah. our great grandparents worked with them. Correct. Yeah. Louisiana Eats brought together five members of the fourth generation to discuss what it's like to be born into culinary royalty and how they hope to contribute to the Brennan family legacy. Joining us at Ralph's on the Park were Ralph's children, Catherine Brennan McLeod and Patrick Brennan, Dickie's daughter, Sarah Brennan, and Lauren's son, Jordy Brower. Also, there was Pepper Balmer, the grandson of Ella's sister, Dottie. Catherine and Patrick work for their dad's company, the Ralph Brennan Restaurant Group, while Sarah and Jordy work for Dickie Brennan and Company. Pepper is the president of Balmer Foods, makers of Crystal Hot Sauce. When Ralph's daughter Catherine was five years old, she was eager to go to work with her dad at Mr. B's Bistro in the quarter. I did. I loved going down. My dad um, ran Mr. B's at the time, and I just loved going to work with him. And he would take me on Saturday mornings as a um, reprieve to my mother to leave her with only two children at home instead of three. (laughs) Um, But I would go down there, and I ate all the maraschino cherries that I wanted. (laughs) And I folded napkins. For some reason, I thought that was a really fun job. And I hung out with the bartenders. I spent most of my time at the bar. as a small child. As a small child. For family meal, Catherine enjoyed noshing on plain pasta with Parmesan cheese. When her dad and Aunt Cindy opened Baco in 1991, Catherine remembers being less than impressed with the food. It was a, a wood-burning oven that they made the pizzas in. And, of course, it gets a little char on it. And... Patrick and I sent back the pieces and told my dad that he needed to call Domino's and um, get get them to teach him how to make pizza. We said ours was burnt. We said ours was burnt. When she was old enough, Catherine started helping the hostesses at Baco, marking tables off on the laminated dining room charts as guests were seated. While she gravitated to the front of the house, her younger brother Patrick found his home in the kitchen. His passion for baking was evident at an early age. His first email address was pastrypat yeah. Yeah. <laughs> aol.com. I forgot a lot of time ago, yeah. <laughs> and when I was eight or nine, I convinced the pastry chef at Redfish Grill to let me start working in the kitchen. Her name was Pam Donnelly. Uh, sadly, she passed away a few years ago, but she was the pastry chef. And I convinced her and the general manager at the time, without even consulting my father, uh, to let me go in and work. And that started me down that path. I had all the fun jobs. I, used to, I, I specifically remember cracking an entire case of eggs by myself to make bread pudding, which uh, my father loved because I would come home just covered. And I had one chef jacket because I had to have a tiny little eight-year-old chef jacket to wash and bleach every night. 
Um, I would dip pretzels in chocolate, so I had egg and chocolate all over me. You know, I only worked that first summer three weeks or so, making $2 an hour. Don't tell the Department of Labor. Um, and it, it was a blast. I don't know, what, what else is there to, that an eight-year-old wants to do? In high school, Patrick worked as a prep cook at Ralph's on the Park, eventually moving up the line before enrolling at the Culinary Institute of America at Greystone. College was a requirement for any of Ralph's children who hoped to join the family business. We had to get a college degree, and then we had to work five years somewhere else was the rule. It was supposed to be five years. So once we took over Brennan's, mine got cut a little short. So I wanted to, I mean, obviously wanted to get back for that. Mine also got cut short because I was living in New York and I was cold. And I um, decided I didn't want to do a fourth winter. So I did three years up there. And so I called him and I told him, I'm moving home and I, I'll find another job. But if you have one available, I'd rather work for you. And he found one. <laughs> Catherine did a bit of everything, sales, management, HR, wherever she was needed. As for Patrick, Ralph's new commissary has rekindled his son's love for baking. Aside from producing breads and pastries for the restaurants, the 2020 pandemic inspired a new king cake business. During Carnival, Catherine splits her time between Ralph's on the Park, where she serves as general manager, and king cake sales at the commissary. The way Dickie's daughter, Sarah, sees it, she and his first restaurant, the Palace Cafe, are almost twins. Both were born in 1991. We were three months apart from each other. That was the, the big joke was, where's Dickie going to be? In the waiting room with me or... Uh, seating tables are in the kitchen at Palace. Though her parents tried to talk her out of the restaurant business, it was always Sarah's dream to contribute to the family legacy. She credits the extravagant cakes at Dickie Brennan's Steakhouse with sparking her passion for baking during high school. Yeah, it was my first kitchen job was at Steakhouse, um, working in the pastry kitchen with Stephanie Bernard, who is now still with us and head of purchasing and She's great, and I loved exploring pastry there. After completing a hospitality management degree in Charleston, Sarah studied baking at Greystone's CIA and worked at San Francisco's esteemed Tartine Bakery before coming back home in 2019. Dickie's nephew, Jordy Brower, treasures memories of his late grandfather, Dick Brennan. So my grandparents, Lynn and Dick, they... Uh they happened to watch us pretty much every Saturday night um, to give my parents a reprieve. And every Sunday morning, my grandfather and I would go to Commander's before they opened. He lived right around the corner, so we'd wake up in the, every Sunday morning and walk over to Commander's, and we'd get a handful of spoons and, uh, and then a dirty cup for all the dirty spoons, and we'd try all the sauces and soups. And then you had to go home. Yeah. My <laughs> grandmother would come get me, or he'd walk me home, and then he'd go back to work. Jordy wasn't allowed to eat at Commander's until his eighth birthday. It was a family rite of passage for each grandchild to have a special lunch there with Dick Brennan to mark that milestone. So Sarah and I both got to do this along with our brothers and sisters. But so on our eighth birthday, my grandmother would take us, we'd get a blue blazer. And then my grandfather would take us to Commander's and uh, we'd have our first lunch up there. We'd sat up in the garden room, 
on the back table actually because my grandfather always liked to look at the dining room. He didn't like to sit up on the the windows up in the garden room. And so you know, I tried turtle soup and I'm like, it's very spicy. And he's like, no, it's well seasoned. You know, completely just <laughs> stop me. He's like, no, your taste buds are wrong. <laughs> Eight year old. <laughs> Jordy pursued a culinary degree from Johnson & Wales in Denver before finding work as a line cook and butcher on the East Coast. But his eyes really light up when he talks about designing restaurant kitchens, something he discovered an affinity for during the build-out of Acorn in the Louisiana Children's Museum. Jordy also helped plan Dickie Brennan & Company's commissary kitchen in the Lower Garden District. Per tradition, Sarah and Jordy were not allowed to dine at Commander's Palace until their eighth birthdays. Though we didn't realize it at the time, their cousin Pepper was already tasting the best of Commander's menu every time he went to stay with his grandma Dottie and Grand Aunt Ella, who lived in the house next door. Kind of like everybody here. Our grandparents would reprieve our parents and give them a break, so I would go over to Dottie and Ella's house and hang out. They always had tremendous food. Like, I thought Ella was, and Dottie were such great cooks. Didn't realize until I got older that they were just ordering from next door. Uh, but as I got older and realized what was next door, I fell in love, just like Patrick, with the dessert area. And every time I went to Dottie and Ella's house, I would walk out the back door and just disappear and they would have to call the dessert room and to tell them to send Pepper back and to leave the twills that he had eaten <laughs> in the dessert room. As a matter of fact, in my rehearsal dinner at Commander's, they stopped everything and brought everybody each a twill. <laughs> oh, 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 just an <laughs> to this day, it's still my favorite dessert. Just like his cousin's parents, Pepper's dad, Al, had rules about joining the family business. If Pepper wanted to join the team at Bomber Foods, he needed to spend two years working somewhere else. And uh, it's easier said than done. I think we all kind of agree. I mean, I'm a walking billboard. My name is Pepper. Obviously, I'm going back to <laughs> uh, going back to work at, at Crystal Hot Sauce. So it was kind of a, a catch-22 where people wanted to help me but also didn't want to kind of waste time by giving somebody a job for only a couple of years where they could be focusing on somebody who's going to help grow their brand. So I was kind of looking around and then T and Lally finally said, you know what, just come and work with us. And um, we all grew up working in the restaurants, like in the front of the house, but kind of getting the education of how the machine works, all the nuts and bolts and the uh, economics of everything, kind of focusing on that. I still helped out in, in the kitchen and the dining room every now and then, but I was mainly focused on how everything ran on the backside. Today, Pepper is president of Balmer Foods. He always jokes that he got his MBA program from his grand aunt Ella. So every day at three o'clock, I sat with Ella in her room and she gave me her copy of the Wall Street Journal that she had already read front to back earlier that morning and made me read, uh, read it front to back. And then I had to pick three articles and just talk about them. Good, bad, or indifferent, what I liked about them, what I didn't like about them, what worked, what didn't work. And we did that for two and a half years, every day at three o'clock. That was just beneficial to this day.
Coming up next, we learn more about the influence of uncles, aunts, parents, and grandparents on the fourth generation of Brennans. Louisiana Eats returns after the break. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. Now inviting you to become a member of the Camellia Brand crew with their new box subscription program. Shipped quarterly to your door with up to 10 surprise ingredients inside, it's like having a Mardi Gras parade through your kitchen all year long. To learn how to become a member of the Camellia Brand crew, visit CamelliaBrand.com. Support also comes from Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways. Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Crystal Hot Sauce, made with three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt. Nothing artificial. Crystal Hot Sauce, how New Orleans does flavor. If you're just joining us, we've gathered together five members of the fourth generation of Brennans, culinary royalty in New Orleans, to discuss how they're contributing to their family's legacy. Joining us at Ralph's on the Park were Ralph's children, Catherine Brennan McLeod and Patrick Brennan. Also there were Dickie Brennan's daughter, Sarah Brennan, and nephew, Jordy Brower. The fifth member of the clan present was Pepper Balmer, grandson of Ella Brennan's sister, Dottie. In their 30s, the group of siblings and cousins are now starting their own families, building on the guidance of the second and third generations before them. Well, you know, I guess you all are fine honing your own parental advice, but you've got tons of it to draw from. Um, tell me a little bit about things that you have learned from your Brennan's forebears. C- Catherine, we can start with you because life is like a set of stairs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's what my dad always tells me when I'm going through a hard time. He's like, he says, life is like a set of stairs and you get to coast when you're on a stair, but then you hit the, the part where you have to get to the next stair and that's tough. You just have to climb up to the next stair, and then you'll get to coast for a little while. Patrick, do you have another one that came from Ralph? My entire life, it's been, this is a people business. Guests, staff, everybody. It's, it's all about finding good people and taking care of good people and making people happy. So it's something I think all of our elders have instilled in us, is whether it's the staff and whether it's the guests, it's about taking care of people and 100%. making them happy. 
Yeah, 100%. And then to compound on that, I think, as you've noticed, like family is a very big, huge value from all of our grandparents yes. and parents. Uh, we're all under the Brennan name, but we all have, we're under our own umbrellas, but yet we're all like siblings. All one family. Yeah. yeah. And, and Pepper, what's some advice that has stayed with you? One of the things that T's always kind of instilled in me is there's uh, four different ways to go through a wall. So you can go over it, under it, around it, or through it. And I usually try to focus on one thing, which he likes to tell me to think of other scenarios and other options. That's kind of the one thing I've been trying to instill into my new parenting life, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just one way to do things. It's, there's, you can do different things a different way uh, and expect different results. Y'all's Aunt T, she was kind of a, a cruel taskmaster, but she really gets the lesson um, taught. It was needed. So, so, or drives the lesson yeah. in. <laughs> Jordy, was, what's the deal with the walk in the cemetery? It's just, you know, if it's a walk in the cemetery, you've really done something wrong. Oh, and, uh, of course, there's that beautiful cemetery right across yeah, from Commander's Palace. It's also, it ain't beautiful during that time. It's just far enough where no one can hear T yell. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> Or you cry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was T's boot camp. It and, was. Uh, she it was scared well, us it straight. It was well needed. I needed. I needed a little uh, kick in the rear end sometimes. So. And uh, Sarah, what what has your dad been telling you? Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is dig down deep, but that's usually in like menu tastings and things like that <laughs> when you're like miserably full and you just got to keep going. But Push it does. Through. It carries. <laughs> it definitely carries over. Yeah. Dickie's saying dig deep like you know it's like you've been you've gone to four meals already that day and then like you know you're going to your fifth meal and he's like just dig deep like you know you, you can do it find it somewhere within one of the things I love about you all is that now as adults the cousins are so close. I mean, it was so much fun just setting this interview up because, you know, Jordy's out to dinner with <laughs> one of you. Um, Patrick's talking to somebody else. This is all like a moving target. What are the holidays like? Oh, God. <laughs> Wild. My mom would have a party at her house Christmas Eve. And then it was Graham and Dee Dee's. Yeah. They would host it. And then you and so, yeah. And then we'd leave and go to Fat Harry's until... Until they kicked us out. Until yeah. they kicked us out. But I guess it was all instilled from our grandparents' generation. For I sure. mean, when our parents were growing up, they were raised just like we were. We were, all, like, just together all the time. Watching Ralph become a grandparent, you know, Ralph's a serious guy. And just watching him with y'all's kids is, like, it's amazing because he's, like... Different, different like Ralph. He's a, he's a, he was yeah. a very <laughs> serious dad, too, and now yeah. with the grandkids, he's just let loose, and it's a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> You know, him be silly because he They've was never really silly. They've been hard yeah. for a really long time. Yeah. 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 For them to get to It's a different of... side of him that we haven't gotten to see. Would you like to tell me about the future and about how you're going to handle it because you're a Brennan? <laughs> Unfortunately or fortunately, we're all ambassadors for the city wherever we go. So that's something that's been instilled with us since we were born is that, yeah, we're, we do this. But in order for us to prosper, the city has to prosper as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's Piece going back to the advice, Didi used to always yeah. say, leave it better than you found it. Correct. And I think that that's something that we all try to live by very yeah. much so. I also think we're lucky that we did grow up so close and we have each other to lean on um, and that not necessarily other people in this industry have such a broad network to lean on. You know, I can call Jordy if I need bread or if I, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's little things like that, but it's, um, it's good to know who to, 
who to call and know that you've got support. Well, what a blessing it is to be a Brennan. This has just been a remarkable time with you. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Yeah. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Yeah. That was five members of the close-knit fourth generation of the Brennan family in New Orleans, joining Louisiana Eats at Ralph's on the Park. My name is uh, Chef Gus Martin with Two Jacks Restaurant in New Orleans. And I'm Chef Gustar Martin, Gus's son, and I'm Chef de Cuisine over at Dickie Brennan's Tableau. Chefs Gus and Gustar Martin's deep New Orleans roots are also entwined with the Brennans. The families are so interconnected that Gus and Dickie Brennan have been friends since they were just three years old. Being born into that friendship did not ease the path for either of these chefs. They both had to prove their chops in the kitchen to rise through the ranks. We spoke with them about how it came about that a father and son both became chefs de cuisine at two different Brennan's establishments. So, Gus, tell me, how did this all start? I guess I cooked my first scrambled eggs when I was two years old, standing on a milk crate in the kitchen. I uh, grew up in the Ninth Ward. Still have the little pot I cooked them in. So uh, I guess uh, my grandmother was from Thibodeau, you know, from a family of 12. And uh, she's, she was a big influence on me. Uh, I mean, best gumbos, you know, she made just good comfort food. And, you know, uh, she, I guess she was more of the... Uh, the Cajun type cooking, you know, Creole, a little bit of Creole in there too, you know, so. And then uh, my mother was a, a real big, my mother and my Aunt Dot were big influences because they were both in the restaurant business. Uh, my mother was a longtime uh, Brennan uh, f- uh, member for, I think, probably a little over 50 years. 50 years. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm correct, your mother, Viva, mm-hmm. um, sort of came along to the Brennans with the purchase of Commander's Palace. Am I correct yes, about that? Yes, yes. She worked her way into being one of the first uh, female captains. I think she was the first, you know, to be honest with you. She worked at Commander's with uh, Ella was a big influence on in our life and, and Dick, Dick Sr. And then she moved on to uh, working at Mr. B's for many years. And then uh, as, as she moved into a management role, and then she was a manager for pretty much the rest of her career. But uh, she was... Uh, she was a fair but firm lady. She was a little more old school, but she, uh, she she ran a tight ship. Let's go back to those days at Commander's mm-hmm. Palace because I, I think it's sort of a magical piece of your story mm-hmm. that you and Dickie are approximately the same age. So you all were having similar after-school experiences in high school, right? Yeah, I tell you, you know, I mean, we... I guess I started over there, and uh, I started as a busboy. Didn't care for the front of the house, you know. So um, Dickie and myself, uh, we we uh, hit the dish room a little bit, pot area a little bit. 
then I moved into the kitchen. Uh, my, my mother was good friends with uh, a couple of the chefs there. She said he, he has a knack for cooking, so mold, try to mold him into it, which they did. Uh, you know, I worked with Steve Mullen, which we, he was a sous chef there. Paul Prudhomme was the first chef. And um, and so you got to work with Paul? Oh, yeah. I worked with Paul for about a year and a half and uh, before I went into the military. So how old were you when you were working with Paul at Commander? Uh, I was a teenager. I was 15, 15 to, I guess I worked there for about two years, a little over two years. Uh, Steve Mullen was uh, one of his sous chefs. He was, uh, you know, really good. Uh, they had Raymond Sutton, who went with Paul when he opened up Paul Prudhomme's restaurant. Uh, he was a big influence. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of good people back then, and uh, they sort of taught me a trade. When I moved on to when I came back from the military, I went to Mr. B's and I worked with an old Creole chef named Jimmy Smith, and he was another fifty year vet for the Brennan family, and uh, he was a big influence in uh, in he was more in that Creole Cajun type cooking, and uh, and Gerard Maris was there as well. So I've I've, I've worked with some talented people. So, Gustar, um, growing up at home, Dad works hard. Like, he's not home a lot of the time. Tell me where you get this interest and love for food. Where does the bug first bite you? Well, as a kid growing up in the late 80s and early 90s, my father, you know, he's always at work. But, you know, on his days off, that was the time for cooking as a family. And, uh, you know, I remember being a young toddler as well, you know, stirring the roux with my dad and peeling the shrimp, you know. And, I mean, we've always been around food. I mean, as a kid, I grew up a few blocks away from my grandmother. So we'd go to her house. Um, my mother, she's from Panama. She's always been cooking. You know, she's always cooking her style and so at what point do you decide that you're going to go into a life of food? Well, um, for me, I started in the 99-2000 school year when I was a freshman in high school. At that time, my father was the chef at uh, Palace Cafe, and uh, I was old enough to work, and my dad was like, all right, it's time to get in the kitchen. started doing that as a young adolescent you know, exposed to working with people that were, you know, in culinary school, you know, ex-veterans from, you know, the Commander's Brigade from the early 90s. So I did that through high school. After I graduated, I went to school out of state uh, for music education. Ah, so you were trying to take a different path. Yes. I was a percussion major. It didn't work out as I wanted. And uh, so I came back home, got back in the kitchen, and, like, the whole idea was, like, I'll do this for a year, and then I'll go back to school to pursue music. A year went by. Uh, Hurricane Katrina happened. It's about 20 years old at that time, 2021. Due to uncertainties, I was, you know, and I had a skill set in the kitchen already. So I was, like, I just decided, you know, this is what I'm going to do as a career. So, Gus, what were your thoughts about all this? Was this something, how did you feel in your heart about raising a chef? Well, I tell you, my son has a certain skill set. His creativity is off the chart. I mean, he's a very, very talented chef. I can't tell you how proud I am of him. 
you know, he, he was into music for a while. He was in a couple of bands and, you know, I mean, and, uh, you know, and, and I wanted him to pursue his dreams, but he's always had a knack for cooking. You know, he, he has a great flavor profile. That's incredible. I mean, I was harder on, on him growing through the kitchens than any other cook. I, and I was, I was a, a fair but firm person on other people as well. But for him to, to continue his, his growth, I felt that, you know, I was, I was pretty, pretty tough on him. You know, I tried to, I guess, instill a passion that he already had, but made, made it a hundred times stronger, you know. <laughs> and I told, I told the Dick and Steve, I said, you know, I said, you know, he's going to, the, the, the sky's the limit for him, you know. I mean, me, I mean, I've been in the game a while, and, and I've done great f- food, and I still do great food, and I've learned how to evolve, you know, because, I mean, that's what you have to do. You evolve with the times, you know, and, uh, but uh, he, he is more international, I would say. You know what I'm saying? He has a great background in Louisiana and New Orleans cooking, but he takes it a, a whirly approach to it, you know, and, and it's, uh, it is about chemistry with him on what, what flavors are going to blend. And, you know, the whole thing where we're here for is about hospitality. It's about making people happy. And um, I think he does a, an awesome job with that. That must give you a certain sense of comfort being as lifelong involved with the same family. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I know uh, – Gus is in good hands, and uh, you know, and he's going to continue to grow with them and and, and develop. And uh, you know, you never know what opportunities come down the road. You know, I mean, they they look to expand, and and, and you know, the, down the road, he might even we we talked about him uh, opening up his own restaurant down the road. So I mean, you never you know, know. You never know. You, you know, never so. know. As Gus reflected on his career and the possibility of passing the torch. I asked him what he was most thankful for. What made him proud? I'm thankful for my, my career, my family. You know, if it wasn't my, for my, my wife supporting me with all the hours that I worked, you know, and holding our family together, I mean, that, that's a big sacrifice you have there. But, you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative of, of my journey in life, you know. And, and I think people should, uh, like I said, you know, if it's cooking or whatever you want to do in life, you know, just find something that you want to do and just, you know, excel. Try to always challenge yourself and excel. But I'm, I've been blessed my whole life. So, I mean, uh, sometimes it doesn't look that way, but it is that way, you know. So, you know, best thing like my mom used to say, you know, I asked her how she's doing. She goes, best day of my life. And I'm like, I said, why is that? She goes, I woke up. You know, so... <laughs> That was Chefs Gus and Gustar Martin, currently of Tujac's Restaurant and Dickie Brennan's Tableau. many states in the Union have the Brennan's family delivered our culinary legacy to over the years? Stay tuned, and we'll explore that topic when we come right back.
Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, breadings, boils, new air fry mixes, and more classic Louisiana dishes available everywhere. Dig into homemade Louisiana flavor. And from the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, located 40 minutes north of New Orleans French Quarter along the shores of Lake Pontchartrain. The delicious Tammany taste culinary scene and an abundance of soft adventure attractions are among the many reasons to love the North Shore's charming communities. Find details on upcoming events, itinerary suggestions, and more at louisiananorthshore.com. Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. How many states in the Union have the Brennan's family delivered our culinary legacy to over the years? To make sure I had the right answer to the question, I called in some support from T. Martin. For several decades, the various branches of the Brennan's family have operated restaurants in Texas, Florida, Georgia, Arizona, Mississippi, and California. T. made me laugh out loud when she also made a point to mention Jefferson Parish. I remember Foodie's Kitchen on Veterans Boulevard, but T was referring to Chez Francaise, a restaurant that Ella opened and operated for a time a bit further down Vets Boulevard. Now, here's a favorite memory you may share with the Brennan's third generation. The Friendship House in Biloxi on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Remember? Their catchy promo went, Friendship is our middle name. T, Ralph, Dickie, the whole crew spent lots of weekends there growing up. I loved the petting zoo that featured baby deer myself. In any case, the Brennan's clan have done such a great job over time authentically exporting our delicious culture. Since Owen Brennan first went into the hospitality business at the old Absinthe House in 1943, the entire clan have been proudly spreading the word across the country and the world about why Louisiana Eats are always the best. I can't wait to see where the fifth generation will lead us. The moon? I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats. On May 31st, 2018, one of the 20th century's greatest restaurateurs left the table for the last time. 
For over seven decades, Ella Brennan's unmistakable touch indelibly influenced and elevated American hospitality. Imagine, without Miss Ella, there would be no Bananas Foster. In the spring of 2015, Miss Ella welcomed us into her Garden District home for a conversation about her remarkable life. She sat elegantly in a comfortable wingback chair. Just like the chair, the entire living room around her spoke volumes about the large, close-knit, multi-generational clan who lived out their colorful lives there. At the tender age of 18, right out of high school, Ella went to work for her eldest brother, Owen, at his first business, the Old Absinthe Bar on Bourbon Street. As a child and into her adult years, wherever Owen was, Ella was never far behind. I followed him around as a little girl. He was 15 years older than I was. I spent uh, the years from high school through that time working with him uh, because he was always interested in making sure I learned how to do something. He wanted the family to be in a business so we could take care of our mother and father in their late, late, late years. And uh, so he, all of a sudden, one day bought a restaurant. That restaurant Owen bought in 1946 would eventually become known as Brennan's. With encouragement from her brother Owen, Ella would go on to learn from the restaurant chef, Paul Blanger. I spent a tremendous amount of time with Paul Blanger on Sunday mornings when the restaurant was closed. And we would sit down and have these massive cups of coffee. Paul had some of these wonderful two old cookbooks, which he eventually gave to me. And I, had, I kept them close to me because I was using them constantly. So Paul helped me with, he would go make one or two of these various dishes. And we'd say, oh, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do that. So we kept evolving what we could do. Ella Brennan's education continued evolving, too. Owen sent her across the United States and Europe to learn the restaurant business firsthand from the greats. When Ella moved to Commander's Palace in 1974, she took with her Owen's philosophy about the family business. Well, Owen always said, you want a restaurant that New Orleanians will be proud of. They will want to celebrate there and they will entertain their guests there. Uh, visitors, you want a restaurant that is more than just the neighborhood restaurant. So when we got to Commanders, we knew what we had to do. We're going to run the best restaurant we know how. And Paul, coming from the bayou, was doing his version of what they were doing down in the Cajun country. And we were sort of melding them together. And I kept saying, Paul, it's got to be a little bit lighter. It's got to be a little bit lighter. Cajun food's a lot heavier. but. Basically, he's one of the most natural cooks you'll ever find. It's, it's in him. I talk about magic in their hands. Mm-hmm. They either have it or they don't. And what do I mean by that? It's what they're going to put in. I mean, it's the seasoning. It's the selection of the dish to begin with, the raw material, where they're going to serve. And if they have this magic in their hands, they can take this wonderful dish and wow. When Paul Prudhomme left Commanders to open his own restaurant, Ella had to search for a great new talent, and she found it 
in Emeril Lagasse. I really wanted a chef. I wanted somebody who could take that kitchen and really organize it better, even than Paul could do at that time. Mm -hmm. And so along came uh, this recommendation for Emeril. And uh, I told the man, no, 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 no. He's too young, doesn't have the right experience. And I remember saying to the man, don't bring him down because I'm rejecting him now. He said, bring him down anyway. So he brought him down. And uh, that's how we got The kitchen at Commander's Palace became a great incubator for budding chefs. That's the place legendary Jamie Shannon honed his chops. Well, when Jamie got here, he was working in the kitchen. Emerald took him on. And when Emerald got to, ready to leave, I'll never forget, we had four guys we could take as chef. Any one of them could have done the job. Emerald said, that's the one. That's the one. He was just one of the, 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 talk about magic in his hands. So how is it that Ella Brennan had such success in finding that magic and creating a culinary legacy? Well, I don't know how you do that. I mean, it just sort of, you, you go with your instincts. I mean, you go with what you feel, this person, how they talk to you about what they're doing, how they go fix something, and you see how they handle themselves in a kitchen, and you talk to them about how they, how they want to run a kitchen, and you, you feel it, you really feel it in your gut. And you say, okay, this one. And uh, I realized what absolutely fantastic mentors I had. Absolutely fantastic. The cooks, and then there was uh, my older brother and sister, Adelaide and Owen. She mentored him, he mentored me. I mean, it was all each teaching each other, and I finally began to realize that's what it was all about. So when, in addition to running the restaurant, you could build these people and this team. And when they all realized how much they could do together and help each other and make, we, well, we, act, we, we have a school. We've been teaching for years now. When they sit down, we tell them, where, we ask them where they want to go. And if they sound like they're interested in something and they have some ideas, we try to progress with that. Life is just a bowl of cherries. Don't take it serious. Life's too mysterious. The legendary Ella Brennan of Commander's Palace, who died May 31st, 2018, at the age of 92. Go, go, keep repeating it's the berries. The strongest oak must fall. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. I've got big news about our upcoming monthly Poppy's Pop-Up Drag Brunch, held on the last Sunday of every month at Tujac's Restaurant. This family-friendly event includes three courses, four drag queens, and, of course, bottomless mimosas. 
On Sunday, August 28th, we've invited our friends Bo Cialino and Matt Armato to bring their housewarming magic to our drag brunch. They'll be signing books and mixing and mingling, sharing all those at probably this tricks you've learned from them on Instagram. Don't miss the fun. Reservations may be had online and by calling 504-525-8676. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where we have more than 10 years of Louisiana Eats editions available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. If you like our show, please rate it on your preferred podcast platform. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Camellia Brand Beans, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, the St. Tammany Parish Tourist Commission, and from D'Agostino Pasta. Handcrafted in Louisiana from semolina wheat and air-dried over rods in wooden cellars, D'Agostino Pasta is made just as it's been done in Sicily, for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Support for Louisiana Eats also comes from Gulf Coast Blenders. For more than 30 years, Gulf Coast Blenders has produced custom spice and dry blends for restaurant concepts across the country. Gulf Coast Blenders, dry ingredient blends with New Orleans roots. To learn more, visit GulfCoastBlenders.com. Original theme music composed by David Pomerleau and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner, producer and special projects manager Reggie Morris, producer Blake Longlinay, the newest member of our team Kate Gotro, and to our business manager and social media maven Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting.